You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church in the world today. Well, hello, Northland family and friends. Welcome to another episode of Extra Takes. I'm Pastor Josh, along with my co-host, Matt Shiles. Matt, it's great to be with you. It's great to be here. Welcome, everybody. Well, we are in part two of a message that I did two weeks ago about a God bod. Now, this past week, I talked about the the idea of don't look back, and so we, we might in, inject uh, some of those thoughts here in this podcast, but we thought the idea of training, especially since it's the beginning of the year, it might just be good to have a two-parter on that before we begin our series, Northland 2.0. Yeah, I agree. But I, I think secretly, uh, a God bod, you just like that title so much. You, you just wanted to absolutely spend some more time on it. Well, to, to get my focus off a of dad bod and on a God bod, yes, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm more for that, that God bod than I am about the dad bod because you know what? I'm tired of being, I'm a large, <laughs> but I don't know if I'm as tired about being a large as I need to be to change. Yes. Yes, you have to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. Exactly. So, you know, the fact that they created stretchy jeans, it's going to take a while. (laughs) So the main point was to have a God bod will require training more than trying. And we're focusing on this idea of training in 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 16 um, is a great passage for us to, uh, to dig into. And we'll also talk about the book of 1 Timothy as well. So uh, if you didn't hit um, last week, go ahead and listen to that. We talked about training requires a purpose. That's the why. And training keeps in mind a person. That's the who. So we'll dig into um, this week. Training needs a plan. That's a what. You gave us uh, seven elements of a plan. And then training measures progress. So let's, let's start with training needs a plan. Um, and so those were – there's seven elements. Let me read those and then let's just see which ones um, jump out at you. You might want to uh, explain a little more. Uh, I certainly have one that was my favorite or maybe two, maybe okay. three. Um, so first, find a mentor coach, someone you respect. Yeah, I mean let me – here's something I didn't say. Uh, I wanted to say but, uh, you know, again, there's these are things that just – that's why we have the podcast because sure. I just don't get around to saying it. But but a coach and mentor can be a pastor, like someone you want to sit under. Yeah. So that's why it's important to find a church where you, you you do get something out of the the pastor. And so and if it's not here, I, I do encourage people to find a church who uh, has a pastor that you can listen to, that you can learn from, that you you like their teaching. Because I understand that there are different styles yeah. out there that that might be more conducive to how you learn or uh, that that you like listening to, but but that that could be one. Another one could be a small group, and we're getting ready to uh, be part of our Northland 2.0 launch, what we're calling life groups. And so we'll, we'll have a life group leader, our life group leaders, and so m- make sure you, you find a life group and a leader that 
that that you you love and that you respect and that that you can learn from. So, um, and even in my in my own life, I have a couple of mentors yeah. uh, that that I, I call or that I text that I get counsel from. And so these mentors are ten, fifteen, twenty years older, and it's just everyone needs someone that can speak into their life. I think that's helpful to to define that because. Um we all might just think, hey, it just needs to be one person. It needs to be one-on-one. But to mentoring and coaching, it's particularly depending on our, our life stage, can look different. Um, certainly the, the personal aspect is important, and I know you have that in your life, and I do too. And then, uh, and then last week you talked about some of the podcasts you listen to. So there's also that element of, of some of those uh, pastors and leaders are also mentoring you and yeah. um, and, and pouring into you yeah. um, in ways that they might not even know. Yeah, well, I think everybody, and I, and I was I was also thinking about weight training when I was thinking about this, and particularly when you have a free weight set that you're training with, and you know bench press, you always have a spotter. Yeah, and so in your Christian walk, you need a spotter. You need someone who can help. Uh, lift that up when when things get tough. Mm. You need you need a trainer that helps speak encouraging words that that really will challenge you. Like get your lazy butt up. Mm-hmm. Like come on now, where were you? you? You know. So you you do. We all need that. Mm. And so which is part of the reason why don't if you have a goal, if you're if you're trying to hit something, share that with someone, yeah. and typically share that with someone like a coach, mentor. Maybe even a spouse that's going to help hold you accountable because if you isolate yourself and you never share, you have no one now speaking that even knows to speak into your life. So make sure you get a men, you know mentor, coach, someone that you respect. Great. So next is share what you learn with others, and you said one of the ways you do that is journaling. Yeah, and 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 I'll, I'll share with you an example here, but I, I want to share another kind of illustration that I shared with. A, a group uh, a week ago, and I was asking I was asking a group of students, "Do you take tests?" And they're like, "Yeah, we take tests." And I'm like, "Do you ever you ever wonder why you take tests?" Well, the teacher wants us to take tests, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, "Well, you, you take tests to see if you've learned what they've taught you." Yeah. And so that test is a way that you share back with them that you've understood mm. what you've received. Mm. And so the reason why Paul is telling Timothy, command and teach these things, he wants to make sure that he has a handle on what he's received, mm. what he has learned. Mm. And so like journaling helps me write down what, what I'm being taught by, by the Lord uh, through through the Holy Spirit guiding me and teaching me uh, through the reading of his word. And so, so an example of this uh, came a, a couple of weeks ago. I was reading through 2 Timothy 1, and I came across this guy named Onis, uh, you know, Onisphorus. And Paul asked the Lord to show this guy, and I'm just going to call him Oni, you know, because he's got a very long name. Yeah, so, but, yeah. but Oni, uh, Paul asked the Lord to show Oni uh, mercy because of how he served and ministered to Paul. And in reading those verses, I wrote down three things that everyone needs an Onisphorus. Mm. Every, everyone needs someone who refreshes and renews them and does not suck the life out of them. Mm. So so you need to find someone. Like here's what the Apostle Paul is saying about this guy. This guy renews and refreshes me. So he breathes life into me. So mm-hmm. so every everyone needs someone who breathes life into them. Second, someone everyone needs someone who is not ashamed to be your friend and to identify with you. 
You know, because again, we we live in a you know day and age where you know some people may not even want to be associated with you. Maybe it cramps your style. I don't know. But uh, Oni loved the Apostle Paul, and at this particular time, you know, the Apostle Paul was in chains. Chains. Uh, he was imprisoned, and but but Oni didn't care. He's like, I love the Apostle Paul. I'm going to stand next to him, even if it hurts my reputation. And then third, everyone needs someone who pursues you even when you are lost, even when you're lost. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, the Apostle Paul again. He's under house arrest. He's in chains, and Onesiphorus. He got he got to the city, and he's trying to find. He he he, he you know turns over every rock mm. to pursue the Apostle Paul to find. Paul. Mm-hmm. And so so when when you haven't shown up for church or when you haven't been at work or you, you know you haven't you know been your normal self, you need someone who's going to turn over every rock that that will that will move heaven and earth to mm-hmm. find you. And so all that to say this is something the Lord has taught me and taught me, yeah. but turning around and making sure that I've 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 received what the Lord's taught me, I've applied it to me, but but I'm also sharing with others. And so it shows a command over what you've received from the Lord, what he He has taught, is teaching you, that you actually share with others. How did you start journaling? What, what did that look like for you? Well, for, for you know... How has that developed? Uh, well, so it's two ways. Like, so journaling can take on multiple forms, I believe. So in my mind, journaling can take on multiple forms. And so it can take on the multiple forms where you're just journaling about your day, about your week, uh, what the Lord is teaching you, what you're observing. For me, and I've done some of that journaling, Mm -hmm. so I'm not going to say I haven't done some of that journaling, but for me, journaling is about writing down what the Lord is teaching me through my devotional time. So it's not just reading the Word, it's actually writing the Word down. Mm -hmm. And for me, what I typically do is I'm reading through both Old Testament and New Testament passages. And sometimes, if you know, like, for instance, this morning, uh, it was a really dense passage in Second Timothy, and I just took 13 verses, and I just spent spent the, the time, my devotional time in those 13 verses. Sometimes if it's not as dense of a passage, then I'll read that passage, write down a few thoughts, and then go to the Old Testament, and then vice versa. So so I try to tackle two uh, passages, one from the old, one from the new, but I'm, I'm, I'm not legalistic about it. So if I just want to spend some time in the Psalms, which is the book I'm in right now, I'll do that. But what I'll do is I'll write down passages that really speak to me mm-hmm. and then at the end I'll I'll write down you know key takeaways mm. And one of the things that I found, because I've read through the Bible obviously many times uh, throughout my time as as a believer, and it's interesting what uh, what happens in seasons of my life where these verses stick out to me at this season than they did three years ago when I read that passage. And so that that's that's the fun part about journaling is what is the what is the Lord doing in my life right now, even with the same Bible, same passages versus you know, five, ten years ago. That's awesome. Thanks for that. Very uh very practical. Okay, so next is you set an example for how you are to live. 
Yeah, so one of the things I didn't get to in this is I notice that Paul tells Timothy that age has nothing to do with setting an example. Yeah. And and the reason for this is by setting the example in these areas, Timothy would be growing in his character. And his character would be forming him more into the character of Christ. Again, remember, we have our who. And we looked at the portrait of Jesus yeah. last week. But now he's putting he's putting the who into practice yeah. by setting the example. And think about it. He's setting the example in the words. Mm-hmm. He's setting the example in his actual conduct. This is how I'm going to conduct myself. This is how I'm going to live publicly. He's conducting and setting the example in his love, how I'm interacting with others. He's setting the example in his faith. So so how he is projecting his faith, his belief, his trust mm-hmm. in God. So that's why he he's not going to he's not supposed to fret when things start going sideways. He's not supposed to fret in chaos and crisis. Why? He believes in the sovereignty of God, right? He's not going to fret if he gets sick. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he knows to be 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 uh, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He knows that his redeemer lives. So so he's going to be setting the example in his faith. So it's forming his character even how he responds to things that that might not 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 be good mm. um, and then purity he's setting the example and and how he's pure in mind in thought how he's pure and how he looks at uh, other women I mean so he's so what he's doing mm. as he's exercising think about it, these are exercises in how you think and how you talk and how you act and how you respond not react so so these are exercises and these exercises are developing his character and his character is supposed to be in line with the character of Christ who allows us to reflect the likeness of God mm-hmm. and so so he's now forming his character but notice mm-hmm. that his age has nothing to do with it yeah and so um and w- w- one of the things that I, that that I love is um Early on in my life, I had people go, you are well beyond your years. Well, that wasn't me. Sure. That was the Lord developing me. Now, there were definitely certain areas of my life where I was immature, 15-year-old or 24-year-old, but there were certain things even in my my youthfulness that God was tailoring in me of my character that that people saw. Um and another thing that I've seen throughout my, you know, my years is that I've personally been led astray by older people who I thought were setting the example just because they were older, and I implemented what they did as a younger pastor, and I got burned yeah. because it really wasn't character forming. I just just because they were older, I'm like, oh, that that must be the way you lead. No, it is not the way. Jesus would lead. Hmm. And uh, so so just because someone is older, just because someone claims to be a leader, just because someone says that they are a Christian, and just because someone knows Scripture doesn't auto- automatically make them someone of character. Hmm. Hmm. So there might be someone who is a gifted preacher. There might be someone who is a gifted teacher. There might be someone who is a gifted leader, but they don't have the character of Christ. And what Paul is saying to Timothy is character trumps giftedness. Mm. See, your character will take you much further than your giftedness. Your character will give you more authority to lead 
others than your giftedness. And and, and here's another thing that I, I you know I thought about in this is giftedness may gain you a hearing, but character will gain you a following. Giftedness may be worth listening to and observing. Character is worth following. And 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 what what Paul once again is saying to Timothy is character is something you develop not acquire. You might acquire that giftedness and you just might be naturally gifted. Mm. And again, it might earn you a hearing, but that character, that character is not something mm. that 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 you are given. It is not something that you've just acquired. No, you have to develop character. And so what Paul is really saying is how is your character development going? And so I want you to think, you know, in, in our own life, if we're trying to, again, we're trying to be formed more into the image of Jesus, we're trying to train to be godly, ask yourself, how am I developing in my character? And so what will you have to do? Well, here's a couple things that I think you need to do. And I think the first, you know, the, the beginning of the year, uh, the, you know, the end of the month and all of those times might be good for you to sit down and just debrief with yourself and the Holy Spirit, how is my life going? Yeah. Do I need to do I need to develop more in my character with my mouth and how I use my words? Because you know, here's the thing. I look at social media today and I look at so-called Christians, and I'm telling you, they vomit. Yeah. And that that is not that is not maturity. That is actually immaturity. Jesus wouldn't do that. He would not do that. I mean, again, when we look at Jesus, he doesn't retaliate. You know, if he has an issue, and what the Bible says, if you have been wronged, you go to your brother. And you say, you have wronged me. But even if your brother, I mean, here's the thing. Even if your brother does it, then you take it before the church. But here's the thing. You have people who aren't even going to churches that are vomiting about those churches. And again, that Jesus would not do that. And so, but again, like it's this character development. So, so you're debriefing how you're using your words. You're debriefing your conduct. Hey, how, how am I conducting myself in public? How am I loving my spouse? How am I loving my children? How am I loving my neighbor? Yeah. How am I loving my coworker? So, so you're debriefing with yourself and your Holy Spirit. And then if you really want to be brave, get feedback from others. Yeah. Yeah. Get feedback from others. Yeah. So take an inventory. Yeah. Hey, how am I doing in this? And so because, again, these are exercises that Paul is saying, set an example. And, and, and unless you are exercising – in these areas, you will never set an example. And that really leads us to that next point, which is devote yourself to the word of God. Again, we see that it is so vital for us to know the word of God so we know how to act, right? So if we are uh, training to be transformed, um, we must know the word of God. So, um, and 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 so uh, the way this once again applies to, uh, I say the congregation is fi- make sure you go to a church that that actually reads the word and that preaches and teaches the word. Like so, if you go to a if you go to a church that doesn't even you, you know open up God's word, you need to find another church. Uh, if you go to a church uh, that is not constantly referring, and I'm making some bold statements here, so uh, yeah, 
if you go to a church, Happy New Year, everybody. Yeah, that that doesn't that doesn't refer in throughout the message. Look at this verse. Here's what you, you know are telling you know are, is teaching the scriptures. Yeah, you need to find another church because no longer are we living in a day and age where we can just get by on well I am a Christian because I you know no 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 we we need to know what the bible teaches about the christian life mm-hmm. and so like and that's what i'm saying if you attend a church where not, they're not opening the word reading the word and that they're, they're not constantly referring back to the word you need to find another church and then also making sure that preaching and teaching like so if preaching makes you uncomfortable that's good because that preaching is the exhortation. The preaching is the challenging portion uh, of, of preaching the scriptures. Mm. The teaching portion is the instruction. Mm. It's making sure that you understand. And so for for instance is when when I you know when I was reading the word particularly in this message and I was saying uh, this is what was going on at this point in time, this was the heresy. I'm telling you what the heresy is, and I'm instructing you on how even heresy is today. And preaching would be, don't be a heretic. Like, so, you know, it's this exhortation, yeah. you know. So, um, you, you know, the, the, the preaching is uh, don't sit on your blessed assurance because sitting sitting on your blessed assurance makes you an obese Christian. That That's preaching. That That's exhortive, right? That is something that's challenging you. Yeah. It might be hard for you to hear it, yeah. but you need to hear it, right? So if you're wanting to find a church that doesn't preach – then you are you are attempting to find a church that the scriptures would tell you not to be a part of. You're fired up today. I Sorry. Love it. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> this is what happens when yeah. he gets a week off, folks. Um, <laughs> yes. What what I love about this podcast is I I thought the preaching versus teaching that was helpful. So often I think of of the weekends is is preaching and you do some teaching and then the the podcast is. Uh, more teaching. There's it's it's more of a space for teaching, but then sometimes yeah, pre- you get yeah, preachy. It, yeah, it, well, pre- yeah. I mean, preaching, and that's where I, I tell people I'm a preacher teacher. Yeah, that's why. I, like I, you know, I mean, I like sitting down. I like explaining what what, what the passage is. Hey, this is yeah. this word means this. This is what Paul's really getting at. But then I'm going to make some preaching statements that really does encourage you, exhort you, that that I, I hope uh, inspires you, that hopes motivates you, yeah. hopes challenges you. I mean, even in, you know, uh, even in the book of uh, Corinthians, uh, you know, they would say, man, Paul's weighty words. Like, I mean, so Paul was this, this preacher challenger, but he also instructed them yeah. on here, here, here's what the gospel is. Yeah. Here's how to live a gospel life. And so, so yeah, he was definitely a preacher and a teacher. And sure, there, there are some people that, that are just really good teachers and maybe there are some that are really good preachers. But, yeah. but here's the thing you, as, as Paul says, you actually need both. Yeah. But both flow from the devotion to the word of God. Mm, amen. Yep. Uh, so this next point, use your gifts to serve others. Yeah, so don't sit on your blessed assurance. <laughs> I was like, oh, he didn't say that. That was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So use your gifts to serve others. I, I think you you made that <laughs> you made that clear. We um, we've talked about that a lot in in previous weeks as well, and and certainly we um, we talked about that in our uh, giving series. Yeah. But um. 
And, uh, and I'll and say why that, is that important? Well, yeah. So, and I'll, I'll say, you know, uh, I, I will constantly reiterate this. So, you know, if you get tired of me saying this, so sorry. <laughs> but there, there are three areas of service and giftedness in the in the church. Uh, areas of necessity. So when it comes to next-gen ministry, so children and students, th- those are necessity. We have chosen this this model of church, mm-hmm. and so we need people who will serve mm-hmm. in those departments, in those ministries. Well, I'm just not gifted to, to serve in children's area or students. Well, and then I always ask them, do you have children? Do you have students? Yeah. Well, then you're gifted. Congratulations. God has deemed you worthy enough to be in children's and student ministry. So, but, <laughs> but areas of necessity and then even welcoming, greeting, uh, being at the new to Northland desk. Those are areas of necessity because if we don't have enough people ushering and greeting, we don't have enough people welcoming those that God wants to send. So there's areas of necessity. There's areas of nurturing. So this is just where if someone hurts, we all hurt. Like that, that is, that is something that we all should do. Right, so if someone is excited, someone is happy and joyful, we ought to be happy and joyful with them. If if someone needs caring, we, again, if we see that need, let let's take care. It's nurturing. Why nurturing is this idea of family? So areas of necessity, areas of nurturing, and then areas of natural giftedness. So yes, yeah, so if you're good at administration, do administration. You're good at hospitality and showing mercy. Do those things. Find areas if you're. Gifted at exhortation and, and teaching, mm-hmm. do that. If you're good at praying, you know, praying, you are a prayer warrior. Yeah, we all are called to pray, but there are some people that God has given the gift of praying, mm-hmm. um, evangelism, counseling, giving wisdom. So, so whatever that area is, and I promise you, in Northland 2.0, you will you will begin to see a plethora yeah. of opportunities open up where you can get connected in your in your natural area of giftedness for the church. So, so that's where use your gifts. And again, the idea of using your gifts makes you more like Jesus, which makes you more like God. You're never more like Jesus than when you are giving. Never more like Jesus than when you are serving. Hmm. Amen. Um, so let's move on. There, there's two more under this this section. Uh, keep an eye on your orthopraxy. That's right, living. And your orthodoxy, right doctrine? Somebody thought I was making those words up, so they went home and Googled it, and they found out that I was right, <laughs> that yes, uh, orthopraxy is a word, <laughs> that it is right living, um, and yes, orthodoxy is right doctrine. My, I was I was writing notes, and I don't think my my notes function knew orthopraxy. It kept saying I was spelling it wrong. I go, I swear it's a word. <laughs> it is a word. It is a word. So, so orthopraxy and orthodoxy, right living and right doctrine. So, what you believe will lead to how you behave. Yeah, and just to reiterate the the impetus of of this, it couldn't be stronger. Yeah, in, in our day, so, uh, we are living in a time of biblical literacy. Yeah, and by all accounts, it looks like it's going to get worse. Yeah, uh, before it gets better. But I hope and pray that Northland, we, we can be a beacon of hope uh, to, to create environments, uh, to create ministries, to create resources. And there, again, the resources are out there, 
but it's the training again. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. Well, we we yeah. live in a day and age where you you, you know, but but you know, you could Google it, but are you going to Google the right thing? Yeah. Right. Uh, you can grab a book, but are you going to grab the right book? Right. So so that's the thing. We, we have all of these. We have a plethora of resources, but but again, training. <laughs> it's so important because that, that's why you need the who, right? Because, yeah, th- there's a lot of tools out there, but they might be the wrong tools. They, I, I, they might be unhelpful tools. Yeah. Uh, but then also, even if you have the right tools and you can even find the right tools, then you actually got to apply them. You actually got to train. You got to be diligent. And so, so uh, I do think the onus on leadership today in churches is to craft a, a well-designed plan fit for every, I would say, season and, and level of Christian maturity that will help people have access to right training of right of, uh, understanding and learning right doctrine so they, they can have right living. But once again, doctrine is so important. So the doctrine about God, the Trinity. What, what do you believe about God? What do you believe about the Trinity? That's important. Yeah. Right? I'll give you a for instance. So um, if people pay attention to how I pray, typically, yep. I pray to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in my prayer. And so, but, but, and if you look at the words, and and how I address God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Father, we want to bring you glory. Uh, Jesus, we want you to be the center because when you are the center, you actually bring the Father glory. Spirit, we need you to we need you to draw us. We need you to shape us and conform us. We need you to help help us uh, to to learn and to receive. Uh, Spirit, we need you to draw people who are far from Jesus to Him. Right, and then I pray in the name of our. King, Amen. Right. Mm-hmm. So, 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 I, I pray to the Trinity, who is, who is one God in three persons. Josh, to try to explain that, I'm telling you, like it is, it is the mystery of the Trinity. But, but again, that that's a doctrine, and then the doctrine of man, the doctrine of sin. Right. So, so that's important because what you believe about sin, what you believe about the depravity, or if you here's the thing, if you don't believe in the depravity, man, it will, it, it actually has consequences. So I believe that man is depraved. I believe that man sinned. And original sin of Adam and Eve affected every human being that came after Adam and Eve. And so no one is righteous. No, not one, which is why we need the good news of King Jesus, that he has come to make us righteous. And so, but again, that's a doctrine. Uh, how, how The doctrine of salvation. We don't believe that you can work your way to salvation. We don't believe that you can pray enough. You can read enough scripture, memorize enough scripture, attend church enough. Uh, lift up enough Hail Marys to be saved. So we don't think we don't believe that your morality gets you to heaven. We believe that Jesus's substitutionary death on a cross and his resurrection do. Mm. And, and so again, that that's a doctrine. What we believe about the Bible, you know, that's important. That the Bible is inerrant. There's with there's no error in the Bible. It is inspired. It has been inspired by God. It is God breathed. And so it is the authoritative document. In our life, not only as a believer, but as a church. Uh, What we believe about the church, the church is not a place. The church is a people. It is the outpost of of the people of God that is part of his kingdom. So the church is not the kingdom. The church reflects the kingdom. Mm. 
And so that's why the gathering of the saints is so important because, again, the church isn't a place. It is a people that you belong to that has been ransomed, that has been redeemed, that has been reconciled by King Jesus. And so we gather together as an outpost of the kingdom to hear from the king so that we might know how to live. Mission, that's a doctrine. Again, I had a whole uh, series on mission. But prayer, uh, family, uh, this is what we believe about the family unit. Yeah. Uh, this is what we believe about divorce. This is what we believe about remarriage. Uh, this is what we believe about sexuality, uh, gender. I mean, all of those things, those are doctrines of the Christian faith. Have, you know, hell, heaven, those are doctrines. We do believe that hell is a real place. Those who do not place their faith and trust in Jesus will spend an eternity in hell. And um, those who place their faith and trust in Jesus will spend their their eternity in heaven, which is a new city that actually comes down out of heaven and actually marries earth. And so it'll be heaven on earth. It'll be heaven. It'll be in this new city, Jerusalem. So those doctrines, when you know what you believe, yeah. actually leads to right living. Wow. That was a lot. What, sorry. No. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't yep. say sorry. What what a great bonus we got there. I would encourage you guys to go back and and rewind, listen to that, pause, Google those doctrines, look them up because ideas have consequences and um, in understanding, learning, brushing those doctrines off, maybe you've learned those years ago, maybe you haven't really thought about those. Um, but a couple of semesters ago, I took Theology 1 and Theology 2. And for me, um, the most enlightening part was then coming to service on Sunday and then looking to see where those doctrines, you know, yeah. poked out, right? Where are those doctrines, listening for the prayer and seeing he's, he's praying to the Trinity right there yeah. and understanding how important that is. So uh, it's, it's so funny you brought up that prayer because one day I was going to ask you a question on yeah. here about that. So you beat me to yeah, it. Yeah. But um, I think you just illustrated for us how, um, how serious we are about this idea of, of pushing back this bib- bib- biblical illiteracy and this idea yeah. of we have to, we have to, we have to uh, train well. So, um, Which leads to that number seven is persevere and remain diligent in your training. I was talking to the leadership this morning, and I was even talking to them, uh, talking to them about our, our next-gen ministry and how – even though you teach teach on it once doesn't mean that they got it. Right. So we 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 can no longer think one and done and move on. And and that really is even the the adults too, oh, which yeah. is why we have the podcast, oh, which yeah. is why we have small groups, which is why there's resources. You can't just live off the sermon. And you can't live off of 26, 30, 35 sermons a year because here's the thing. No one has perfect attendance anymore. I don't even have perfect attendance. <laughs> I'm going to be taking off six weekends a year in terms of, uh, you know, not, not, you know, I'll be gone other places, but I'm only preaching 38 to 42 times. Yeah. So, uh, so, but, but again, you're not, if you're trying to build a Christian life off of the weekend sermon, uh, you will be deficient in your nourishment. Yes. But, 
but the point is persevere and remain diligent in your training. You got to you got to keep reading. You got to keep listening. You got you you, you got to keep going back. And, I mean, and so because it is training, mm-hmm. so it. You cannot you cannot live the Christian life in a one and done. Okay, I heard that and I'm going to move on. Like I have one of my children, I won't throw them under the bus, but I have one of my children because uh, right now I'm I'm teaching in the high school, and what I'm teaching to them is what I'm teaching the adults, and I'm just kind of tailoring it to uh, a student population. Yeah. And you, you know, uh, one of my children said, "Well, I won't listen to it again." I'm like, "You need to listen to it again. Just that attitude right there. You need <laughs> to listen to it again." And I need it. I, I need the gospel every hour, every day. I need the word. I, I don't. Yeah. So I, I I need to persevere and be diligent in my training. Just preparing for these extra takes episodes. We do these on on Mondays, so it's a relatively quick turnaround. Um, many times I'll have to um, look at my notes several times or even listen to the, the the sermon again. And it is remarkable what even listening to the sermon a second time in 24 hours does. Mm. There are things that jump out in a way that didn't the first time. Yeah, um, I'm in a different space. I'm you know a little more focused. There's just so I would um, I would applaud that. It's not just students. It's yeah. it's adults and um, and certainly you listeners. You are you're doing that as well. So pause this, rewind it as much as you need to. Um, so let's get to this uh, this last one, training measures progress. Um, if you train right, you will get the right results. And man, I, I think this really puts a, a, a bow to all of it, right? We have to make sure that, that we are training right because there's ways to train wrong. <laughs> Amen. Right? If we're yeah. following a heretic, <laughs> yeah, um, we won't get the right results. No. Um, so um, the you talked about real, authentic Christian faith. Um, I loved how you just you you laid it out. This is what it is. Yeah, and I will just say, like when you're reading that that verse, it could almost seem that you have to do these things to be saved. Like because ah. you say because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was I was uh, telling someone uh, about this big word. It's called hermeneutics, letting the Bible interpret the Bible. So nowhere, you know, and Paul, I mean, obviously he's written a lot of the New Testament, and Paul is very clear. You cannot work your way. You cannot do enough works, good works, in order to be saved. Yeah. But what what works are, are fruits of salvation. Hmm. So they, they, again, they are not works for salvation. They are works because of salvation. And so what he's saying is, is if you do these things, you will save both yourself and your hearers, which is why what, what these works are, they are fruits of an authentic salvation, which is based solely on trust and faith in Jesus Christ as King and Lord. And the, what, the, the reason why the results is also you will save your hearers, you will point them to authentic faith. Mm-hmm. Because what the, what the heretical teachers were doing 
was pointing them to a false faith that, hey, if you if you avoid certain foods, if you don't do certain things, if you do do certain things, then you can be saved. And, and, and so they were pointing them in a, in a direction that was a false salvation that wasn't a Christian faith. Going back to the, the idea of the pickleball, uh, they were pointing them to not, not Christian not pickleball. It, it was a form of, of of some game, but it wasn't the Christian game. Mm. And so that's where Paul was saying, hey, if you do these things, if you're training to be like God, not, not only are you displaying what authentic Christian faith is, you're pointing your hearers and the congregation to what true Christian authentic faith is and actually what it leads to. And so that's where those two questions to measure progress. Can people tell that you are becoming more like Jesus? And that's why, you know, in, in the 11 o'clock hour, I talked about how, you know, Derwin and I, we met almost 10 years ago. Yeah. And then when he got here and he began to really interact with me in certain environments, he's like, bro, you you are not the same person, which, I, yes, I, I hope and pray that I'm not. And my wife has seen that, and I've seen how she's grown. And I mean, so... So I hope yeah. that if you are a Christian, yeah. people can see that you're becoming more like Jesus. And then, and here's a real one. Here's a real kicker. Are, are, are people more like Jesus as a result of being around you? Are they, are they challenged to be more like Jesus? Now, again, what is Jesus? You, you know, who's Jesus? What does like Jesus mean? Go back to the portrait yeah. that, that we laid out last week. You know, so so those are really good questions to be able to measure progress. But we do know this, is that right training actually does lead to experiencing the right results. Mm-hmm. And I'm a living testimony to that yeah. from just a physical side. Um, and, and, and I know, like, we, we see that in our vocation, that if you trained – you know, for something that you didn't know anything about, but that you wanted to go into this vocation, you wanted to go into this career, and you began to to train that that you have hopefully you have mastered or you are mastering what you are doing in that area, and right training leads to right results. Mm. So I won't ask you the uh, the word that Pastor Derwin called you. So we'll just leave, leave it at that. You know, well, you know, it was a form of but. You you are you are a you are a a a but a uh, yeah. Uh <laughs> yeah, he, uh you were a donkey. How about that? Okay. How about that? You you were a donkey. Yeah. That's that's descriptive. That's enough, descriptive so. enough. So as we as we wrap up, this has um this has been such a a rich and deep conversation. I think the the final question and and we can only just kind of scratch the surface here. But just um, feeding off of that idea of, of hermeneutics. So, if we wanted to, from um, you know, from this this week of of First Timothy um, four, if we wanted to to read through all of Timothy, what are what are just some helpful questions that we might ask ourselves um, to understand the context before we we dig into a, a book? A letter like First Timothy. Well, this is why I would always encourage people to go out and get a study Bible, because the study Bible is just going to give you a a, a brief a brief synopsis on that book, so that you can kind of understand the context, the background, uh, who wrote it, when did they write it, and to whom did they write it. Yeah. And so, with Timothy, you will you will find that it was written by Paul. He is in prison. 
to his young protege, his young mentee, Timothy. Uh, Timothy seems to be going through a very tough time. It seems like he wants to quit in both First Timothy and Second Timothy. And so we don't know if he wants to quit because uh, he's just tired. Uh, he's tired of dealing with the drama. He's tired of the opponents. Well, we, 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 we don't know exactly why, mm-hmm. but Paul is constantly encouraging, you know, encouraging him to, to keep on, to fight the good fight of faith, to finish the race. Um, and then we, we, we do know that he is dealing with some, some, uh, heresy, uh, some false teachers that have gotten in. And so that's what you will read about that. And then even Timothy, you're also going to find about elders. And so he's going to teach about elders because Timothy is supposed to try to create some order and some, um, typical things that Paul has told other churches that they need, like, leadership and this is the, these are the qualifications of of elders overseers and deacons and so you'll find some offices in the church but anyway so that's what you'll learn about 1st Timothy and 2nd Timothy but yeah. a good study bible will help you learn context you know context background who wrote it when did they write it and to whom did they write it great and so. and our bookstore has a bunch of awesome study bibles and Donna and Stacy would love to help you they would. It yeah. is. Uh, it's such a great family culture. Anytime you go in there, and uh, whether it's them or the volunteers, they are knowledgeable and always willing to uh, point you in the right direction. Amen. Well, Matt, thanks again for leading us through extra takes as we unpacked even more on part two of First Timothy chapter four. Well, Northland family, you are loved. And we are truly, truly grateful for you and expectant for big things in 2023. Blessings. Thanks for listening to Extra Takes. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.